The BBC presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space. Jet, asleep in the bunk above Whitaker's, awoke from a frightening dream to find that death had transformed Whitaker from a young man to an old one. There was no longer any need to lag behind the rest of the fleet, and a few hours later, we had once again taken our place in the formation. Both Mitch and I were needed to handle freighter number six, so Jet and Lemmy had their work cut out running the discovery between them. However, in between watch and inspection, Jet had Lemmy play back the recording tapes we had found strewn over the floor when Jet and I had first entered number six. But the tapes gave no clue to what had happened to Peterson, nor why he had so brutally attacked Whitaker. And then... Hello, flagship. Freighter number six calling flagship. That's the radio. I'd better answer. Want to hear from you urgently. Come in, please. No, Lemmy, wait. What? He said he was calling from number six. Hello, flagship. Number six calling for Pete's sake. Answer me. Number six? But Doc and Mitch are in number six, and that voice ain't either of them. No, Lemmy. That's the voice of Peterson. Hey? Let's get the radio quick. Yes, mate. Hello, number six. Flagship Discovery here. Hearing you loud and clear. Hello, number six. Hearing you. Come in, please. Hello, Discovery. Number six calling. Is that you, Mitch? Oh, who else? Oh, what's the panic yet? We haven't been calling. I know you haven't. Huh? What's the idea? We just received a call from Peterson. What? Yes, Mitch. Both Lemmy and I heard it. He said he was calling from number six. But only Doc and I are here, Jet. You know that. Of course I know it, but we just heard Peterson call. Jet. As clear as I'm hearing you now. Uh, Jet. And he distinctly said he was calling from number six. What did he say? Jet. Oh, hang on a minute, Mitch. What is it, Lemmy? The recording machine. It's still running. What? I put the last spool into it just before we began the inspection, remember? You mean that voice? Peterson was... It's his recorded voice. Are you sure? Yes, mate. Hello, Mitch. Yeah? Uh, look... I'm very sorry. It was all a mistake. How do you mean? The recorder was playing. We thought it was the radio. We didn't realize we left the thing running. <laughs> oh, so there's nothing to panic about after all, then. No, Mitch. I'm sorry to have disturbed you. Oh, that's all right, Cobber. I wasn't doing anything in particular. But take it easy, Jet. You'll give us all the jitters. It made us look a couple of fools, didn't it? The old fleet will be laughing at us. Well, it was quite a natural mistake. Could have happened to anybody. Yes, Jet. I couldn't stand it any longer. What was that, Jet? It's Peterson's voice. The spool is still running. Then that spool has been used. It's not a new one after all. I killed him. Hey? Quiet, Lemmy. Let's listen to it. And I put him down the inspection hatch. Line. Then I turned the ship over and tried to slow her down enough so as the rest of the fleet would overtake us. So it was, Peterson. But we're out of fuel. For now I'm stuck. Adrift in space with a dead man. A man I murdered. Oh. I try to ignore him, but I can't. Every time I sleep, he comes and talks to me in my dreams. Horrible dreams. Those dreams again. I'm terrified even to close my eyes. He is trying to get control of my mind, to get me to carry out things he boasted of doing before I attacked him. But he can't get at me so long as I remain awake. And I will remain awake. I defy you. Do you hear, Whittaker? I defy you. I defy you. The very words Whittaker used when Doc was nursing him just before he died. It's four days now since I closed my eyes. Thank you, gang. Listen. I've decided to end it all. If anybody ever hears this, then you'll know what happened. I can 
let myself out of the airlock. I'll be out of his reach then. Did you hear that, Whitaker? If you want me, you'll find me out among the stars. Mm, I'm leaving you in a drifting ship for a grave. The fleet will never catch up on us now. But you can't do them any more harm. You'll just go drifting on forever. This is the end. I put on my suit and I'm going outside now to push off. Well, it is a lot now, Jack. The school is finished. Talk about famous last words. You reckon Peterson was off his rocker? Oh, he must have been. Now, that's why I didn't notice that only the main fuel tank of the ship was empty. The reserve tanks still had plenty of juice in them. Why on earth didn't he call us up on the radio? He just murdered a man, or thought he had. Or maybe he, he was even scared to go near the radio. From there, he'd have seen Whitaker lying down in the inspection hold. Oh. At least we know what happened to Peterson now. I suppose that about explains everything. Not quite, Lemmy. How do you mean? It still doesn't explain that song you were singing. Whitaker's song that I heard in my dream. I told you, Jet, it was just running through my mind. I don't remember hearing it anywhere. In fact, until I heard myself singing it, I'd never heard it before. Look, Lemmy, think hard. Nobody can sing a song they've never heard before. You must have heard it somewhere. Now, think, where was it? I don't know, mate. I, sing I, it I, over I... again. Maybe that'll jog your memory. Do I have to? Yes, please. Right. Command performance coming up. When it's night time in Italy, it's Wednesday over here. Go on. When it's... Oh, I feel such a fool, mate. Midday I... in Germany. Oh, yeah. It's midday in Germany. You can't get a shave in Massachusetts. Now, does it recall anything? No, Jet. Now, look, mate. Uh, I, keep I, I... singing. How I is up, I'd like to know. Doesn't Baker Street recall anything? Hey. Hello, is that... Or an exhibition. An exhibition? Oh, think, Lemmy. And when shall we... Uh, look, Jet, mate, I can't think of two things at once. It takes all my, all my time to think of the words. All right. All right, forget about it. You got me worried now. Oh, Lemmy, you're no more worried than me. Just before Whitaker died, I had a ghastly dream about him. And in my dream, he sang that song. I'd never heard it before in my life, I swear. And now, here you are singing it. Well, you know how it is with these catchy songs. One sings it and another, and before you know where you are, everybody's singing it. That's the usual way, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not usual for a song to be passed around by having heard it in a dream, Lemmy. No, mate. I don't suppose it is. Oh, well, I still hope to get to the bottom of it sometime. Yes, Jeff. Meanwhile, we'll carry on with the inspection. Now, where were we? We were just going to do the radio panel. Oh, yes. All right, then. Hello, Space Fleet Control. Calling Space Fleet. Control. Con contact you. Come in, please. Control. He said it was control. Calling flagship Discovery or any freighter ship of the Mars fleet. If you can hear us, answer, please. And it is control. It must be. We're in contact with him again. Now, wait a minute, Lemmy. Are you sure the recorder's not still on? No, Jet. I switched it off. That call definitely came through the radio. Hello. Hello, control. Flagship Discovery calling. Hearing you loud and clear. Repeat. Hearing you loud and clear. Let's not get too excited, Lemmy. We've had too many freak calls lately for me to be sure of anything. And don't let's be too pessimistic either, mate. Look, who else could it be? Can't be Whitaker in number six this time, because number six is now back with us, and Mitch and Doc are in there. It must be controlled. Now, calm down, Lemmy. Uh, yes, mate. I'm sorry. Hello, flagship. Hello, Discovery. Control calling. Received your call, strength three. I've been calling you for weeks. How is it with the fleet? Are you all right? It is, them. Time lag was more than half a minute. The distance we are from Earth, that, that would be about all right. Hello, Control. This is Jet Morgan calling. Jet Morgan aboard the Discovery. Are we pleased to hear from you? 
All ships except number seven are safe and intact, but the crew of number six has been lost. Uh, details will be given later. Uh, how are things back on Earth? Uh, call up Mitch, Lemmy. Uh, tell them the news. I'll hang on here. Sure. Hello, number six. Discovery calling. Come in, please. Hello, Discovery. Matthew speaking. Hello, Doc. Mate, we've got wonderful news. Oh, what? We've made contact with control. Oh, you have? Hey, hey, Mitch, Mitch. Discovery is in contact with home. And what was that? It's true, Mitch. Gently talking to him now. But it's a bit of a sort of long-winded conversation on account of the delay between replies. Oh, never mind about that so long as you've got him. You're certain it is then this time. You're quite sure you haven't left the recorder running, eh? Yes, mate. I'm quite sure. From Control to Discovery, your message received. Glad to know that you're safe. There. Did you hear that? That's them, all right, Lemmy. Hook them up, will you? Sure, Mitch. There. How's that? Why have you been out of touch for so long? Nothing from you for weeks. Oh, that's fine. Thanks, Lemmy. It's a long story, Control. I'll let you have full details in due course. Uh, meanwhile, I'd be glad if you'd keep on talking for a bit. Doesn't matter what about the latest cricket scores, anything. So long as you keep on talking. I want the whole fleet to hear you. Did you get that, Lemmy? Yes, Jeff. Then call them up. Hook up the entire fleet to the main receiver. And let them hear the voice of home. <laughs> Indisputable, Jet. They're there, as clear as anything. Now, the closer we approach, the clearer they get. It almost seems as if the theory that the polar caps are ice that turns to water in the summer is the correct one after all. And that the dark lines are canals. Uh, maybe, Mitch, but it could still be a natural phenomenon. The canals, as you call them, aren't necessarily artificial. Oh, I'm not saying they are. Any more than the rivers down on Earth are artificial. See how the colors of the dark surface are changing. Two weeks ago, they were an olive green. Now they're near a reddish purple. Closer to the pole, the change is even more marked. When do I get a look in on all this jet? You two have been monopolizing that telescope for hours. <laughs> Sorry, Lemmy. You must excuse us. Granted. So long as I get a look in soon. Hey, army old mate, it's all yours. I'm going to look at the maps for a while anyway. Oh, thank you, Mitch. I've been longing to take a deco. Well, Lemmy, now you're taking your deco, as you call it. What's your impression? You give me a couple of minutes and I'll tell you. Uh, can you make out the ice cap? Yes. Looks just like a blister. Like it's much higher than the rest of the surface. Well, that's an optical illusion. If we're to believe what they told us down on Earth, that ice is no more than two inches thick. Oh? Uh, can you make out the canals, Lemmy? There's no mistake in them, is there? And what are those dark round blobs where the canals cross each other? Uh, moisture of some kind, but whether it's water or something quite different, we shan't know until we actually get down there. And how soon before we touch down? Well, that depends. On what? On what we see while we're traveling round her in free orbit. If only we had a telescope powerful enough, we could see the cities on her. Cities? Didn't you know? What are you talking about? When it's night time in Italy, it's Wednesday over... Lemmy! Oh, sorry, Jet, it, it just slipped out. I didn't mean to sing it again, mate. It wasn't just the song, Lemmy. It's what you said about there being cities on Mars. Cities on Mars? What are you talking about? I didn't say that... You it, said uh, if only we had a telescope powerful enough, we could see the cities on Earth. No, mate. I'm afraid you made a mistake there. Look, Lemmy, I distinctly heard you. Well, then, I don't know. I must have said it unconsciously. Oh, I didn't mean to. It just crossed my mind that if there were any cities on Mars, which it can't be... We'd need a much more powerful telescope than we have here to see them. I didn't say it. You not only said it, Lemmy, you phrased it in the identical words used by Whittaker in the dream. Go on. Now, how can you account for that? I can't account for I'll tell you, Jet, I didn't realize I'd said anything. And why did you start singing at that moment, just as he did? Now, do me a favor, Jet. I don't know nothing about your dream. You're giving me the creeps, mate. Oh, I'm sorry, Lemmy. I'm sorry I shouted at you. Well, that's all right, boy. Look, if there's anything else you'd like to see or ask about, go ahead. Well, not at the moment, Jet, thanks. I'll... I'll wait until Doc gets over here. 
It's about time he came, isn't it? Will you escort Mitch back and bring Doc now? Uh, of course I will. I'll put my suit on and be ready to start. Thanks, Lemmy. Don't go getting too ecstatic, Doc, or every member of every crew or every freight that will be wanting to come over here and take a look and all. Well, two weeks from now, every ship will be less than a thousand miles above the Martian surface. They'll all be able to see it, better than we can now. I can hardly believe we're that close. Hey, Jet, what's the big dark patch? Looks a bit like India in shape. Has it got a long, curving prominence running towards the north? Yes. Now, that's the Surtis Major. Oh, is it? Let's get over to the map table, Doc. Oh, oh yeah, sure, Jet. Sorry about that, but... There's something I want to tell you. What is it? Something very odd happened just now. I was over at the telescope with Lemmy when he suddenly came out with a remark about there being cities on Mars. Well, that's a question that must have passed through the mind of every man in the fleet at some time or other. Yes, but that's not the point, Doc. Whitaker said the same thing in my dream, and Lemmy used the identical words. Huh? And then the whole conversation I'd had with Whitaker in that dream came back to me. I remembered what I'd said to him and repeated it to Lemmy, and again he came back with the identical replies. But, Jeff... And to crown the whole thing... He suddenly broke out into that song again at exactly the same point in the conversation as Whittaker had done. What? You know, it's almost as though Whittaker was still with us. But he's dead, Jet, and whatever influence he had must have died with him. Yes, but whatever it was that influenced Whittaker is not necessarily dead. You mean we might still be subject to it? You, me, everyone in the fleet? I don't know what to think, Doc. Have you told Earth about this? Well, I told them Whittaker was dead. Did you tell them about his transformation? No, I, I did intend to, but I checked up on a few other things first, and, well, then I decided against telling Control anything but the bare essentials. Well, what did you check up on, exactly? You remember I told you that in that dream, Whitaker kept talking about an exhibition? Yeah. From the impression I got of the London I was dreaming about, I guessed the period to be sometime in the 1920s. Uh-huh. So I asked Control to find out if an exhibition had taken place during that decade, and whether it was possible to reach it by train from Baker Street. And had there? Yes. The Empire Exhibition of 1924-25, held at Wembley. Good grief. I had no idea such an exhibition had ever been held. Well, it was a little before your time, wasn't it? After that, I asked them to check up on the song. You know, the one that Lemmy keeps singing. Well, apparently it was a popular song of the same year, 1924, the year Whittaker disappeared. But that's fantastic. What did Control say about it? Well, I didn't tell them. But weren't they curious to know why you wanted the information? Oh, I told them I needed it to settle an argument. Look, Jeff. Do you think it wise not to tell Control everything? Yes, I do, Doc. But why? Look, suppose I did tell them about that meteor swarm apparently trying to block our path, about Whitaker making that bogus call and trying to get us to turn back. Well? Isn't there a chance that Control might tell us the same thing? To turn back, you mean? Why not? On the face of it, somebody, or something, using Whitaker as a go-between, maybe, seems to have been trying to get us to do just that. Yes. It would seem that way, but... Well, somebody down on Earth might consider that the risk of carrying on is too great and orderless to return. Well, they're more likely to scoff at the whole thing and put it down to imagination. Oh, that, Doc, is a polite way of saying I'm unstable, mentally unbalanced. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. I'm not so sure the control wouldn't, nor the rest of the fleet. Now, surely, Jet, you don't think the crews imagine that you... Why shouldn't they? Only three of us have been really seriously affected by Whitaker. Frank Rogers in number two, Lemmy, and myself. And both Lemmy and Rogers seem to have got over it long since. And you... Haven't. Well, 
I'd have thought no more about it, Doc, but for the information I got from Earth and the conversation I had with Lemmy not two hours ago. What are you going to do, Jet? Press on. And what if there is something in it after all? And then we'll fight it. And risk the lives of maybe the whole fleet? Do you think they'd want to turn back after coming this far? No, Jet, I don't. Oh, it won't be long now, and I won't be sorry. Oh, what won't be long, Lemmy? Well, the landing on Mars. I can't wait to get my feet on terra firma again. It's a pity about the atmosphere down there, Doc. I'd give anything to have a good, deep breath of fresh air. You'll have to do without that, Lemmy. The oxygen content of the Martian atmosphere is far too low. One breath would probably kill you. Is it too low to support life of any kind, Doc? Almost certainly. Yeah. Well, I'll lay you six to four. There's a couple of Martians sitting down here looking at the Earth. And one is telling the other that there couldn't possibly be any life on our planet because the oxygen content of its atmosphere is too high. Let <laughs> <laughs> me. Yes, Jet. Now, would you mind seeing Doc safely across to his ship? In a couple of hours, we'll be turning the whole fleet over. Yes, mate. Well, if you'd like to get your suit on, Doc, I'll see you at your own front door. Thanks, Lemmy. I left the Discovery and returned to freighter number six. I was, I must admit, quite disturbed by what Jet had told me. I racked my brains to see how it could possibly all tie together. But eventually had to give up. First, because try as I might, I could find no answer to the enigma. And second, because less than half an hour after reaching my freighter, the order came from Jet to turn the fleet over. Since leaving the moon, our ship had been coasting outward away from the sun, our speed slowly decreasing. By the time we reached the red planet, we had hoped it would have reduced sufficiently to match that of our objectives. Unfortunately, owing to our having changed course twice, this was not so. We found we were actually approaching Mars at a speed high enough for us to overshoot it, unless we slowed the fleet down in good time. So first, the tanks. Of freighters number two and six had to be filled. On Jet's orders, four construction engineers left their ships and, trailing their long fueling lines behind them, began the task of pumping fuel from the reserves into the main tanks of the two freighters. Four hours later, the fleet had been turned over, and every man in every ship was safely strapped onto his takeoff couch, waiting for Jet's orders to fire the motors. Firing in 30 seconds. Stand by. In spite of the high speed at which we were still traveling, the whole fleet seemed to hang motionless in space. One side of each ship bathed in brilliant sunlight. Twenty seconds. The other half in total darkness. And so our long journey was almost over. In a few days, the red planet would be reached. We would be encircling it a thousand miles above its surface and preparing the discovery for its first descent. Five seconds. But first, we had to slow down. Contact! Well, Lemmy, you can open her up. Hatch opening. Contact. Nice to be back in the Discovery again, eh, Doc? Oh, sure is. Well, what's cooking, Jet? Well, we've encircled the planet four times now. I think we should try to make the landing as soon as possible. And what do you think, Doc? I can't wait, Jet. She's such a fantastic sight from up here. I'm longing to see what she's really like on the surface. A fantastic sight is right. The place seems to be one vast red desert. You mean all that red stuff down there is sand? Well, if not sand, Lemmy, then something very like it. Well, what are all the dark patches? Vegetation. 
What else could it be? And it must be a very peculiar kind, too. The telescope doesn't show us as anything that we can definitely recognize. How long before number one is ready to descend, Mitch? The ailerons are already fitted, Jet, and the atomic motor disconnected. She should be ready in about four hours. Then we'll start as soon as our crew is settled in. First landing will be attempted at 1,500 hours universal time. Uh, Lemmy, call up the fleet and tell them, will you? Yes, Jet. Hello, space fleet. Discovery calling. Have message for all ships. Come in, please. Very well, gentlemen. We'll go over the procedure once more. Now, once the motors have been fired, we should enter the Martian atmosphere within a few minutes. We will use the resistance of the atmosphere to reduce our speed even further. Let's hope there's enough of it to make the necessary difference. Uh, that we'll find out. If there isn't, then we'll attempt a tail-first landing as we normally make on the moon. Now, are you all set? Okay, Jet. Okay. Okay. Positioning control panels. Lemmy, televiewer. Televiewer on. Motor, Mitch. All set. Then I'll go up into the pilot's cabin. Hook me up to number one, will you? Right. You're hooked. Hello, number one. Morgan here. Come in, please. Hello, Jet. Receiving you. We'll be on our way in just a few moments. You'll wait 30 minutes and then follow on. Now, is that clear? Yes, Jet. In the event of your not landing on the prearranged spot, you're fully acquainted with the procedure for locating us? Yes, Jet. Thank you, Frank. Well, we'll be off. Okay, and good luck, Skipper. Good luck to all of you. Same to you, Frank. We'll see you down there. Okay, Mitch. It's all yours. Turn on the motor and I'll take you down. Stand by for firing. Contact! Go on, boys. I'll bring you back a stick of rock. Deceleration rate, 10, 20... How are we doing, Jeff? Fine, Mitch, fine. Check airspeed, will you? 350. Right. Now on the last lap and approaching the pole fast. I can see the snow shining in the sun, if it is snow. Aren't we going a bit fast? Yeah, just a little. I'll put out another parachute break. That should about put things right. Hello, flagship. Number one calling. Hello, Frank. Flagship here. Receiving you. Landing procedure still going according to plan. How is it with you? We're doing all right, mate. Where are you now? We're just about to pass over the northern hemisphere still out of your sight. Well, we expect to make a landing soon. Approaching the ice cap now. We'll keep a lookout for you. Seen any Martians yet? No, Frank. Jack keeps me so busy with the radio, I don't get time to even get near the televiewer. For all I'm seeing of what's outside, I might as well be in a submarine. It's a wonderful sight, Lemmy. Everything's pink, like it was perpetually bathed in the light of a beautiful sunset. Is that right, Doc? Yes, Lemmy. That's as good a description as any. Yeah, I wish you'd take over the radio for a spell. Let's have a look. Okay, Lemmy. Come on, then. Televiewers pointed directly below us, but don't take too long over it, huh? We'll be landing soon, and every man will have to be at his own post. Just one quick look, Doc, to satisfy my curiosity. Speed check, please, Mitch. 330. Check. Height? 70,000. Check. Oh, blimey. Well, what is it, Lemmy? Are you taking a look at this lately? Oh, no, Lemmy, I'm too busy. You don't know what you're missing, mate. I've never seen such a sight. Hey, what's that? Hey, Mitch, come here, look. I tell you, Lemmy, I haven't time. But there's something down here, a, a, a light. What? It's like a reflection from a huge mirror. It's, it... Oh, it's gone now. Yeah, show me. Uh, where did you see it? Well, look, you see where those two dark green lines cross? Mm -hmm. Where the big purple patch is? Yeah? Well, there. Well, maybe water, reflecting the sunlight. Is that what it was? Well, that's all I can think of. But it was so sudden, uh, bright. Well, what did you think it was then? A Martian signaling landing instructions? But it's only to be sarky, mate. It might be important. I think it's more important that you get back to the radio and let Doc carry on with the observing as he's supposed to do. Yes, mate. 
about over the ice cap, Lemmy. Should be landing soon. Is it ice? Well, I don't see what else it can be. I knew I should have packed my skis. Hello, back there. Yes, Jet. Landing is imminent. You better convert your couches to chair position and strap yourselves in. Right. Think you can get her to stay upright, Jet? Well, I think so, Mitch. She's behaved herself up to now. Then put her down gently, chum. I'd hate to pile up after coming all this way. Oh, do me a favor, Mitch. Can't you think of anything more cheerful to say than that? Hey, what's that noise? Well, what noise? Well, it's like a... a, a, a well, can't describe it. It, it. But it's plain enough. Can't you hear it, Doc? Yes, Lemmy, I can. Starting the run-in now. Putting her nose down. Ground looks flat and firm. Must be frozen solid. Well, let's hope so. If we sink into it, we'll tip up for certain. Mitch, do you hear anything? A peculiar noise. Lemmy just asked me that. Well, can't you, Mitch? I can, and so can Doc. It's getting more than I can stand. It's like it's right inside my body. Oh, blood! Here, what's it, Jet? What are you trying to do? We bounced. Sorry, I'll, I'll try again. What's the matter with him? What's the matter with the ship? She's all over the place. Jet, what's happening up front there? I, I don't know. The ship doesn't seem to respond. Oh, Mitch, Mitch, don't get out of your seat. Stay where you are. But there's something wrong up front. Jet's in trouble. Well, unless I land her now, we'll never make it. Take her up again, Jet. Switch on the motor. I can't. I haven't the time. Stand by for crash landing. Oh, blood. Jet, for Pete's sake. You've been listening to episode eight of Journey into Space with Andrew Folds as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy Kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space is written by Charles Chilton and produced by him in the London studios of the BBC.